And I tell you why, because these people you cannot push. So it's about the network. It's about uh, you need to take, you need to have a long breath. You get to meet them. You meet their family offices. You, you meet their, I don't know, their attorneys and so on. And this can take years and years and years. Welcome to the Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Achieving success on your next German operation. Today, John Moss and myself are delighted to be speaking with Dr. Christoph Eichel, CEO and founder of Solitaire Advisory, We're going to be exploring what it means to partner with German local partners, what it means to operate in Germany, and explore wider concepts such as the emergence of security as a serious discipline locally. Um, what, what are we going to expect to talk about today, John? Well, you know, these types of discussion, I, I really enjoy them because, you know, as a global protector, as most of us are, it helps build up our playbook of you know, of, of data and information, uh, you know, geopolitics. And, and of course, you know, we're building connections. So we're building our little black book as well. And to, you know, discover the inner workings of, of another country um, is, is always useful to get some tips and hints from a local insider. It is, isn't it? And, and particularly Germany. I mean, one, one might ask oneself, <laughs> how come I have not bumped into more Germans uh, on operations globally, given that it's a really large economy, a really developed economy? Um, or, or am I imagining things? Do you bump into many German operators, John? No, that's, that's very true. You don't see too many of them around. And uh, it'll be interesting to get Christoph's take on that and to, you know, see if see what factors might be at play. Absolutely, because much as maybe we explored with the Swiss market, there might be a similar dynamic of, oh, well, uh, nobody is interested in me, or if I just keep a low profile, everything will be fine. Um, but, but I think that's changing. Obviously, geopolitically, we know energy is a big issue. We know Ukraine is a big issue. We know that uh, lots of internal factors are changing German society, or at least we believe so from the popular press that we might uh, read. So, so, so I think this is going to be a really good uh, tour de force, and hopefully get people not just interested in working with uh, Germans, but but maybe working in the German market itself. Um, maybe that's too ambitious, but but that's that's what we're going to have a go uh, finding out uh, from Dr. Eichel. Let's get into it. Let's find out about operating in Germany, finding German partnerships and uh, exploring Christoph Eichel's very interesting career. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Operating in Germany and with German local partners as an EP professional. Today, John Moss and myself, we are delighted to welcome Dr. Christoph Eichel, CEO and founder of Solitaire Advisory. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Thank you, Philip. Thanks for being here. Doing very well. <laughs> 
well, great to have you on. I know you've spoken at a lot of events, and it's it's great to uh, to finally bring a, a German flavor to the podcast. Um, let's do our three quickfire questions that people on this podcast are familiar with. Um, number one, um, what is the challenge or, or, or the problem with operating in Germany uh, today um, that, that people should be aware about? For me, it is definitely um, that security in the corporate world in Germany, besides the major enterprise, let's say, doesn't play almost any role. Yeah, so uh, companies are almost, let's say SMEs, reluctant to security. And uh, I've been preaching now for years yeah, to think of risk management and think of security when you enter several markets, et cetera, uh, also to protect your assets, your personnel. But it is very difficult because we're, uh, you know, having been in a, in a peaceful environment for now 70 years, uh, people are <laughs> uh, really difficult to reach when it comes to security but it's changing now it's changing slowly but it's changing fantastic well it's uh, it's good you're at the spear tip of that changing uh, mindsets um but but then on that what what about you um where does where does your passion uh for this uh, come from what, what about your background well i'm a i'm a former uh army officer yeah uh, traditionally here in germany we do 12 years uh, and uh, then we can decide if we want to stay for the rest of our lives, basically, in the military service, or we are leaving usually as a captain. And I decided uh, to leave, yeah, to join the private sector. And uh, as I left, I was uh, trying also to find my my niche, yeah, or my way in the, in the in the private sector, as I was not sure which one this could be, yeah. And um, at the end of the day, I. I always came back to security, to security-related topics, and I thought, oh, maybe this is my way. Yeah, leaving the let's say the security forces, yeah, uh, to some extent, and uh, to to join the very small niche, at least here in the German-speaking countries, of the corporate security world, which I then eventually did. Yeah, fantastic, and 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 that's that's quite a niche, but hopefully an expanding one that we we're going to get to know, um, especially uh, abroad as well. Um, but, but then on that, let's imagine you're an operator who's never operated in Germany uh, before, um, a, a, an uninitiated operator in all things uh, German. What should they expect or, or better understand uh, before either you know, coming to Germany or partnering with uh, a local German partner? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first and most important point I already mentioned, yeah, it is the, <laughs> that the people are really aware of security here. It's changing. The, the enterprises, again, it's different. Uh, they have their corporate security departments, you know, and they work also with international uh, security providers. Yeah. But the German market itself, I mean, there are not so many high quality players here in the market because the demand is not to compare with uh, uh, Great Britain or even with the US, let's say, yeah, because uh, the market is just not there. It's growing again, yeah, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's not as big. And at the end of the day, I would think for service providers, there's only a handful, maybe two handful of high quality service providers you can really select. Yeah, there's a lot of like one man shows, and uh, there are of course some of the bigger international players. But they also, of course, found out that uh, it's not uh, the easiest market to operate because the Germans are 
I don't want to call them different, <laughs> but yeah, they. I mean, you need to get a, a a sense of how they think, yeah, and what they think is necessary, yeah, and it, it might be different to what, uh, especially uh, North American companies or British companies uh, experience so far, yeah. So the, the market really to understand it, you either need to have lived here for some time, or you really need a partner here. Because also when it comes to uh, personal protection, there are some uh, licenses you have to, to get. And um, I'm not quite sure if every foreign nationality can get a, a, a gun license here, really. Yeah. So there are some limitations, definitely. You know? And therefore, I think with a local partner, you're better off, really. <laughs> So, Christoph, I'm really interested. I want to dive straight in and understand on behalf of myself and the listeners, what are the factors that are restricting the market in Germany? Because when you look at it from an outsider, you think it's got all of the elements that you would need in a major first world country to require a lot of protection, especially for, you know, when, when you consider how good the economy is in Germany, uh, you know, comparatively to the rest of Europe, the amount of high net worth individuals that you've got, big business, you know, some of the big uh, events that are run in Germany. Well, why is the market, the, the security sector so small? I think people here in general feel very safe. Yeah. And it's the same in Austria and even more in, in Switzerland, yeah, really, because this is usually our core market, the German-speaking countries. And uh, Germany, the people feel safe. It is changing now over time, yeah. But I don't know. It's. I think it has to do also with maybe our foreign and security politics. Yeah, we are not so, let's say, ambitious as uh, other countries, other NATO countries might be internationally, and that reflects a lot on us. Yeah, we don't really see major problems overseas, focusing on German businesses and saying, okay, listen, the Germans are coming there, bad, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, wherever German companies operate, besides some, uh, let's say, general obstacles everybody would face if you enter a market in Latin America or elsewhere, I think the Germans feel relatively safe here and abroad. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we have to be honest, not that many things happen. I mean, there are some uh, kidnappings and stuff like this, maybe some extortions, but it's not as bad as, as it might be for other countries that are more um, uh, more connected maybe to their own government's foreign and security politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's really interesting. I suspected you were going to go somewhere along those lines. Having spent a certain amount of time as an international operating in Germany, it really does surprise me to see just how low of a presence security is there and, and therefore how much I stand out and have to work against that and, you know, and try to operate in, in a more low profile uh, just to blend in. Because, you know, the, the last thing we want to do is, is increase the threat where none of very little might have existed in the first place simply by having, you know, a presence. And so, you know, it was just very recently we did see um, another attack against 
civilians, shall we say, in, innocent people w- with a vehicle being used as a weapon. And this is something, you know, I, I wouldn't exactly say it's a trend in Germany. I, I think it's, it's you know, would be too much to say that. But obviously, we've seen uh, quite a few incidents now. And certainly uh, Berlin has seen more than its fair share. Whilst this isn't necessarily enough to make high net worths go rushing out to, uh, you know, secure executive protection, it certainly is a change in the landscape, I think, from, you know, the traditional view of Germany as being a a really relatively safe place. So in in addition to the terrorist threat, what other factors do you see, uh, you know, looking ahead towards the future that could positively influence the growth of the security industry in Germany? Well, uh, it's clearly uh, the cybersecurity threat we are facing. I mean, Germany represents a very, um, I would think, rich country towards other countries. And so people or uh, organized crime groups, however we want ourselves, however we want to call them, um, they see a lot of... uh, uh, very good opportunities here, yeah. And uh, I mean, this is what already happened since years. The numbers are increasing in that field dramatically, and uh, with the war uh, in Ukraine uh, even more, yeah. And I mean, the situation is tense, and this keeps going as the digitalization here in this country uh, is still not as advanced as it could be, and therefore, the more digital digitalization, the more entry points you can find as an attacker. One thing: cybersecurity. Second. Um, and I've just been in, in, in Berlin because I'm in different working groups with the government with security-related uh, topics. The second thing is uh, res- or the, the lack of resources yeah? um, that we are seeing at the moment, yeah? because uh, really we don't have a, secu- uh, like a resources strategy. So it could happen that in the mid-run, uh, we are running out of uh, different resources yeah, because we don't have a strategy, we are not connected to, let's say, markets in Latin America, we are not connected to Africa, we are not tapping the mines in Congo and elsewhere. So this is something where we have to actually put a stronger focus on, and that means we have to go where usually German or most of the German companies wouldn't go in high-risk areas. Yeah, they usually would wait because we are never first movers, we are usually second movers. They let go in the big companies, I don't know, let's say for like international players first to see how this is going and then they then they would follow in most cases it's uh, really like this so i think we have to become even more international to actually uh um fulfill our uh demand for resources yeah and this is something where we actually have to rethink security also internationally and uh last but not least i mean uh Germany is a, and people wouldn't, uh, or most people wouldn't agree to that, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a migration country. Yeah, it's getting more international now. It's open to the world. At the end of the day, there's more people coming in, coming out, more or less well uh, surveilled or detected. Yeah, and uh, I think this is also uh, bringing some issues from outside into uh, Germany. Yeah, it's not, uh, you know, we, we're not completely separated from the rest of the world. The world gets in more international, yeah, really. And uh, therefore the exchange of people, yeah, 
is uh, getting more and more and Germany is a very attractive destination for many people. And of course, the more people come, uh, there's always a certain percentage that says maybe something in mind or it's attractive for organized crime and so on. So I think this will, due to this internationality, it will also get a little more bumpy along the way. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally appreciate your third point. And while certainly, you know, you, you, you can't say migration alone is a standalone factor in an increase in crime and threats, but it, all it takes is a very small percentage. And um, it's something that you can look across the world, across uh, the rest of Europe, the States, especially in the UK, especially in London. And you can see there's a definite uh, link between uh, migration in small pockets of areas and you know an increased threat that certainly high net worths businesses would want to protect against so that said and please, so, please, yeah. please john please, please don't don't get me wrong you know i mean most of uh, all the immigrants that are coming here doing a great job i'm married to a foreigner myself yeah so <laughs> but i mean it's a it's a reality Absolutely. we are facing in the big cities yeah i mean this is getting out of hand in some areas um berlin is a good example i think uh politics would never agree on that yeah but uh, the people i mean they see it every day uh, and, and it also attracts high net worths uh from around the world i mean okay in the uk we've propelled some high net worths recently but um yeah <laughs> yeah but 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 you know it, it, it's it swings and roundabouts them so 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 i'd be interested let's say i'm a german security-minded professional, how, how do I get into EP? Um, because, because I think that'd be nice to compare and contrast. And then we'd find out about the licensing, the training regimen. Is, is it something that uh, uh, someone who's never been in the police, never been in uh, the armed forces, can just pick up and run with? Mm, well, um, it's changing. Since a couple of years, it's actually changing. We had those times, yeah, where all the corporate securities, they were solely either ex-police or ex-military, some intelligence, yeah. But it's changing. Uh, and I was very skeptical in the beginning myself because I thought, wow, we're coming from the, you know, uh, military having served in Afghanistan. I know everything, you know, and uh, nobody possibly could know more in the physical uh, security than me or we from the security authorities, yeah, let's say. Um, but um, they brought in some very good uh, and uh, I would think thoroughly executed uh, uh, security management university uh, bachelors and masters. And really those uh, young uh, men and women that are joining the ranks at the corporate securities mostly, uh, I have to admit from a, from a, um, uh, from a, a methodological uh, standpoint they're doing a great job you know they because uh, what we are seeing here and this is goes for the rest of the world too uh, security is professionalizing over time yeah before it was a lot of experience we brought from police from military yeah but now we actually we have more uh, standards we have more uh, norms yeah we have more uh, uh, procedures we can follow on. It was not like, okay, in the past we did it like this and now we have to do it like this, but now we actually have the ISOs and we have all those standards and this keeps going to develop. Yeah, And so these young people, mostly young now, because those uh, university studies, I think they are offered since, I don't know, let's say 10 years or so. Yeah, 
um, they're bringing like a thorough understanding of methodology and those norms and they grow into this field and I'm meanwhile as I, as I said before I was a little skeptical but now open to this because it uh, makes the security departments more interdisciplinary yeah so you have different factors and they all can play out their strengths yeah and uh, I think it, it it makes it in total more professional really I like that because obviously you know it opens the door to to new disciplines maybe maybe technical disciplines joining you know um i i don't know especially on pen tests and things um a, a similar a similar debate is going on in cyber by the way just in in case uh, we, 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 we're feeling left out uh, because on the cyber side uh, there are colleagues who are saying oh what about the non-technical colleagues? It's almost like um, the 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 parallel between military and police is who who spent uh, long uh, years in their basement. Uh, I I know I know that's a tangent, but I but I think it's a nice uh, parallel. Um, but but but, but Philip, yeah, we we already talked about it at our last conference. Uh, really, uh, physical and digital world are more and more interconnected. You cannot divide this. These are not two parallel worlds, so you have to think both at all times. Therefore interdisciplinary uh, must become the standard. Yeah, There is no way around because nobody can possibly know everything. So you will always have specialists and just cybersecurity is such a huge field. You know, I mean, even there you need different uh, experiences and uh, educations and the focuses. So um, this is the, the only way to go, basically. Can, can I play devil's advocate just for one moment? Because we obviously are big fans of promoting EP. And we would not do anything to diminish that uh, importance. But is there something magical or something to be said by the German approach that you outlined, which is not to need security, to, to lower your profile? Because um, I, I know some, some colleagues in Hamburg, they say you have no idea who is rich and who is poor. Uh, they, they, they dress the same and they uh, they try and keep a low profile. Is there not something of merit to that approach uh, too? You might have to leave the security bubble to actually identify and get a better understanding of your target group because uh, where could you find them? Yeah, I mean, they're operating solely in the, in the, in the business environment usually yeah they're trying and this is a uh, different really to other countries to most of them trying to be low profile yeah you cannot really identify just as i said so you actually have to maybe dig deeper into uh finance industries or into uh, uh private equity into uh, um even you know we we have those catalogs of uh, these are the smes and these are the family businesses you know third fourth fifth generation you know where they have uh, really uh, developed a certain wealth, yeah. And I mean, you really have to basically uh, uh, research the market to identify those people because we have those lists. I mean, you have them too, the 500 richest people in Germany and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, nice to know, but there are so many more families yeah, that are not on that list. Yeah, I don't know why not. Maybe they have a way to buy themselves out. Or I don't know. Yeah, but to identify them is not as easy. So yeah, you really have to 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 understand Germany. And, and Germany is uh, maybe not the land of the major enterprises only. I think it's uh, the SMEs who uh, uh, generate eighty 
or 85% of the GDP over here. So this is really the backbone. And there is also the wealth. Yeah, of course, we have the major enterprises, but they uh, they have sea level. Yeah, this is employed, so to speak. Yeah, but the, the, the business owners, yeah, fourth, fifth generation are very interesting for the EP field. Yeah, and uh, but for them, it's even more difficult to, to do the, the necessary step to actually get into uh, or, or to get a protective detail. Usually it changes a little bit. This is my experience. Usually only um, when they self have a family, when they have kids, you know, and then they start to get a little weak and more sensitive maybe for the week in, 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 yeah, in brackets. Uh, uh, but uh, when they get a little more uh, sensitive for security and then this is usually how this could start or when something of course has happened. Yeah, but I think this is the major group where uh, there are certain families that would have the necessary means to, to finance uh, these kind of security measures. Yeah. And also, Palom, I just want to jump in here. And from an outsider's perspective, on your point, I just want to say, from my observations, I've been sat in, let's say, an S-class or a coffee shop or, you know, looking out of a window of an office many times with um, one of my German colleagues, quite often a driver. And he takes great pleasure in saying to me, pointing out somebody who's walking along the street, you know, go, see that guy? This guy is head of huge corporation. You know, this guy head of XYZ Corporation, you would never know. Mm. And, and, I, and I hear this so often and I go, wow, yeah, you, you would never know. But then I think to myself, but you know, and you know, and you know. And, it, and so whilst, yes, they do, I, I think the point is that they walk around with a sense and a feeling of security and that they blend in and they look just like everybody else with their grocery bag, you know, marching off home. But the fact is, these people are still very and easily identifiable, and there are plenty of people who do know who they are. So, you know, I, I, I think it is, it says more about the culture and the environment, you know, the, in a longstanding sense as to why these people are able to move with such ease and uh, feel so comfortable in doing so. I mean... Uh, the people we are talking about, they're usually also well connected amongst themselves. So once you enter this, I don't want to call it bubble, but this group of people, you might also get to know people that are in the surrounding, you know, uh, like their friends because they know each other from whatever sport they're doing together, you know. So I think once you're tapping into that, then you actually get a certain awareness of, ah, okay, this is this person and this is that person. But as an outsider, it takes you quite some time to actually do the intelligence to collect all the information. And I know some of the families really, you would never think they never appear anywhere. Maybe they even got out of the, got out of the, uh, let's say operational business. So they handed it over to someone else. There's a, there's a, there's a holding on top and there's another holding. So you don't really see who's behind, you know, and they, you would never think they are like, someone who would actually think about personal protection. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and then of course you have the big names, you know, that are in like in every uh, business magazine basically, yeah. And they usually would have personal protection, even here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, and, it, and it's true, it does. It, it, it really surprises me and what, you know, not from um, a security point of view and my own personal 
interest in that, i.e., making a living from it. Uh, it I, I do, I do think it's awesome that in Germany, you know, people can live this way. Um, but obviously, you know, for our industry to prosper, uh, we, you know, we would like a certain, uh, you know, duty or sense of uh, feeling for this duty of uh, protection for oneself, their assets, and their family. You, you know, to be certainly at a higher level, and you know. To that point, uh, as a business owner in the security industry, obviously with ambitions of of growing and you know, uh, to, you know, reaching your aims and goals, how how do you go about doing that? How do you start to? Uh, how do you make people aware? Firstly, of your business. How do you explain the need of the services you provide and why it might? How do you get these people to come around to realizing that security could be a good function, could be a good service for them? Mm. Well, um, I mean, I'm in this industry now for, let's say, roughly 10 years yeah, after I've left the armed forces. And uh, now that I have my own company, um, I mean, we offer this service, but we are not pushing it. And I tell you why, because these people you cannot push. Yeah, so it's about the network. It's about uh, you need to take, you need to have a long breath, really. Um, you get to meet them. You meet their family offices. You, you meet their, I don't know, their attorneys and so on. And this can take years and years and years until they actually raise the awareness because it's very difficult to actually meet them in person. So you go through intermediaries, let's say, yeah. And um, therefore, we are not pushing for it. I mean, people know that we are offering this, and we are we have the right network also to set up a good like uh, team, yeah. Uh, but we are not uh, pushing for it, and uh, we let uh, the people uh, or or we give them time, you know, time to develop this feeling. We start maybe with with other little things and awareness training here for the kids or for the for the employees in their in their, in their homes you know or for the drivers let's say or we do a little bit uh, i don't know like a, a travel uh, security where we can help a little bit here and there so that they actually see okay this is a service in the long run this is actually helping me because it all is it's a question of money, of course, yeah? And it costs money, it costs a lot of money, yeah? And therefore they not only need to see that security is of course protecting them, yeah? But also gives them a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a service feeling they have in addition, uh, which they wouldn't have if they wouldn't have the, uh, the, the, the protective detail, let's say, yeah? So, and therefore for us at Solitaire, this is not really the focus, yeah? But we are aware that when we talk to business owners, family businesses, let's say, yeah, and I talked about the third, fourth, fifth generation, that when we work with the companies, at some point, there might be the owner coming and say, listen, I also have a security issue with family, or I'm thinking about this. And then, of course, we can add this in addition. Yeah, But uh, I wouldn't think this is our real focus, yeah? okay. because uh, this comes more or less automatically. Yeah, and I think you cannot really push in this market. So, and therefore I decided to uh, extend my network, talk to the right people, of course, and I know quite some families now yeah, after the, uh, the 10 years, but uh, they know I'm here. And if there's something, uh, then 
uh, at the end of the day, I hope they're calling me. Yeah. yeah. If there's something urgent coming. Well, yeah. What I'm hearing there is a big advocacy for networking and connections, you know, which is, I think, you know, whenever we talk about developing, uh, whether that's personal or as a business and growing, it always comes down to networking and connections. And it's something that we beat the drum for uh, quite loudly here. So that's, that, that, that's great to hear. And this is um, the interesting thing is this is for, for every uh, 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 leader in the security world, no matter if you're a security provider or if you're in corporate security uh, CSO, let's say, uh, it is more important that you establish a network either amongst the clients yeah, or within your, let's say, organization, because you also have to sell uh, security internally in your organization, in your in the, in the enterprise. Yeah, because you have your people who do the security, so to speak. But as a, as a security leader in your field, you have to spread the network. You have to talk to the people. You have to sales. You have to talk to research and development. You have to talk to the C-level. So to raise awareness, say, we are here. We are helping. We are enabling business. That's what we're here for. We are not here to prevent, to, 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 to hold you back from doing this, this, and this. No, you need to enable. Yeah? And therefore, you have to talk to the business. Because the business makes the money. Security is only an enabler. And I think not everybody has really understood this so far. Yeah? Also in enterprises, I see this sometimes uh, it's difficult because the management will not listen to security because maybe the CSOs are not focused enough on this communications part, marketing part, let's say. Yeah? You have to have the connections. They need to know about you and they need to know, okay, listen, we have a new market. We are, I don't know, have a new market in Africa, um, high risk area. We have someone in-house who can accompany us along the way in the process and so on. Yeah. And this is the focus and for our service providers anyway. Go out, leave the security world. It's there, it's right behind you. It's backing you up, but the clients are out there and they don't have mostly no security affiliation whatsoever. So. With that, um, where, where are we likely to see and bump into German operators abroad? I, I read in the news that uh, many people were helping extract uh, people from Ukraine, uh, but um, elsewhere, I mean, where, where, where are we likely to, to sort of see German colleagues and, and you know, make, make uh, new friends? Well, in Germany. Oh, no, apart from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, abroad, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, when you go to Libya, when you go to Iraq, when you go to these high-risk areas, this is dominated by not German companies. This is the reality. Why is that? I don't know, you know to be honest. I mean, I think we could deliver it probably in the same quality. But I think there hasn't been any need so far because usually those companies go again with the business and the business is more uh, security aware in North America and in UK. Yeah, um, It's changing a little bit. I mean, we are trying to change it a little bit Yeah, because uh, maybe we are also a different generation. I mean, I'm now 41. My colleagues are usually the same age or a little younger. And uh, they studied an international university. So for them, maybe the English language or French or even Arabic or so might be easier to, to use as a, as a daily form of communications. And I think this is the big, uh, the big difference now that we are making, or we're trying to make at least, because no matter where you go, 
security is a is a English dominated English language dominated profession. Period. Yeah. So everybody else, no matter if it's from France or from uh, I don't know from Poland or I don't know where Germany, yeah, needs to speak English to get into that. A line of business, so to speak, internationally. Yeah? And I think this is a quite a, still in the 21st century, a huge obstacle for uh, many people. Although I think this will change over time, but maybe not to the extent we are seeing like that the US companies are involved uh, internationally in different uh, businesses and uh, security operations or the British. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a, it's a it really, it, it is a generation topic. So as a slight variation on that, as internationals come in to work and operate inside of Germany, either with German clients or international clients, but in a protective capacity, what are some of the things that we should be looking out for to enable us to be able to uh, conduct our primary role, carry out our you know, service to the principal in in the best way. Obviously, we mentioned earlier that, um, you know, perhaps a lower profile might help as, you know, there's not so much high presence, close executive protection in Germany when you move around. So, you know, if, you, if you've got a large entourage, then, you know, you could potentially stand out. What are some of the things that international operators would do well to be aware of when coming to operate inside of Germany? To be honest, I mean, I personally don't see that many internationals operating over here. Yeah. Um, I mean, this can happen when, when some executive is traveling here, he might bring his detail. But at the end of the day, my personal believing is that no matter where you go, you need a local partner because you need the language, you need the network, you need the cultural understanding. Yeah, uh, you need the licenses, maybe. Yeah, and of course you can't be the personal protection, like uh, direct, uh, like uh, EP to your to your uh, to your let's say CEO. Yeah, but um, are you allowed to wear a gun over here? I'm not sure. Yeah, probably not because you you, you need a license for that really. And this is a, can be a process depending uh, on uh, how uh, uh, at what threat level you can present your uh, your CEO to the to the authorities really yeah uh, because they need a report with the risk assessment or risk assessment yeah where you can actually show there is a demand yeah and that's why my believing is when I do something in I don't know. I, I get a job in, in Brazil. I get a job in Israel. I get a job in I don't know where. I would always partner up with a local company. Maybe I would send my guy, my personal protection team leader, let's say, with the with the client, but to work with a local team. Really, I would always do that. This will also reduce the risk of uh, getting kidnapped and so on. Yeah because you hear what's going on around you and my Portuguese is really bad or Arabic or whatever, yeah. And therefore you need local knowledge and therefore you need a local partner, reliable local partner. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's that again, you know, absolutely. I, I think, you know, drivers are often the first port of call for many um, internationals when, when we go overseas, you know, 
your your first contact is is often the driver and it can be one of the best relationships you can build because they usually have great knowledge obviously they have access to the getaway vehicle uh you know and and nobody is as good as drivers for networking and i'm going to be diplomatic and i'm going to say passing information could say that in other ways but they they like to pass a lot of information between themselves uh yeah so i i think it's a fantastic network to tap into and it's certainly you know usually uh my first port of call or you know the the main hotel concierge and so on so yeah totally back that up i again think it's important to mix to mix the teams you know to have the the local knowledge uh even from a certain area sometimes yeah um so that you have that you're not missing out any details because when you don't speak the language when you're not from a certain area you might know about specialties what's going on you know uh, maybe they have they, they know already okay there's a holiday coming up you know like these small things even yeah um it's um yeah it's the details that that really help and that's why a mixed team is my personal Uh, preference also gives me a better feeling when I uh, let the client uh, fly to Mexico or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's 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 next for you, Christoph? What uh, what what should we expect to see in uh, in the coming uh, year? Well, I mean, we are quite new, right? Uh, so in in October we are becoming one year, so like the first anniversary. But we are now in the second half of the year ramping up on uh, cybersecurity professionals here. Um, which is quite a task to find the right people, yeah. And uh, but we have addressed a few, and they will be onboarded over the next three, four months. Yeah. And also, we have some very promising opportunities we are seeing in uh, in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are quite optimistic that this will be our really first and very successful year, and therefore start. And yeah, um, I mean, um, probably unnecessary to say that the, the overall global geopolitical situation is playing in a, towards uh, like our hands, yeah, and uh, for the whole security industry because it's getting a little more challenging around the globe, and the awareness is going up, even though slowly over here in Germany. But I think, um, I mean, the market is growing, and therefore um, there's an ever-growing need for reliable um, security providers, in-house corporate security. And uh, this again uh, will professionalize the whole industry. Yeah. I like that. So professionalizing the whole industry, I think is a, is a great place to, uh, to end on. Hopefully we'll see more uh, use, uh, if not demand uh, in Germany. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing more collaborations as, uh, as time goes on. Um, so good, lovely tour de force. I feel as if we've sort of virtually been to Germany, or at least brought our audience to Germany a little bit uh, today. Um, so, uh, so, so absolutely a great place to go for your summer holiday, if you're wondering. Um, but uh, Dr. Christoph Eichel from John and myself, thank you very much for coming on. And this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Well, I'm off to Germany. Maybe I won't find as much success as Christoph has uh, had in his uh, recent career, but, but I'm certainly fascinated by the expanding security market. What did you take away from today's session, John? Well, you know, this is a location 
for me that operationally I'm 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 taken to, you know, I, I do go in and out of Germany quite frequently. So it's always good to build more connections there and to gain a deeper understanding. Um, I, I think it's really reinforced and shined a light on a lot of the different, uh, should, should we call them cultural um, aspects that are at play in, uh, you know, in Germany that have contributed towards um, the industry being quite shrunken, really, when we compare it to different European countries, but potentially might might be on, on the cusp of expansion through the different factors that we heard about today, especially uh, cybersecurity. And, uh, you know, that that's always one for protectors to look out for, if not, you know, go and do a wholesale career change but i think the fact that we keep hearing about it and all and always hearing you know this is where the demand is that it would behoove any of our listeners to want to gain a deeper knowledge in this area absolutely and as we have you know many times said it doesn't mean you have to become a, a hacker or some sort of programmer it might just mean that you need to have that in your team and christoph was very forthright talking about diverse teams in that in that respect um have a diverse skill set well listen even it even if it's just jargon even if it's just understanding the language and i'm not talking about programming language but literally the language to be able to speak about these matters then at least you can have a conversation with somebody that's a good point and and culturally i think that matters in germany as much if not more than anywhere else because uh, from personal experience um german companies are looking for longer term relationships and the longer the relationship lasts the more you learn the more you can partner the more you can bring new colleagues on board you can maybe become a sort of a, a value-added reseller of cyber or, or whatever but it's it's more that that trust is built up over time um christoph mentioned that there are some family office networks some private uh, groupings that you know you really have to work hard to understand but once you're there you can you can really see the old boys network the the old money network the hanseatic network he didn't say hanseatic but that's something i remember um you you, you know there, there's a lot to play for if only you would invest time and realize that um maybe a lot of the money is in the medium enterprise uh, zones but good what else have we got coming up, uh, John? Because I because I know, like always, some people are very, very active on the BBA Connect app and the NABA Protector app, which is great news. But 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 what else do we want people to look at? Well, I, you know, I, I think I just want to stay on this uh, networking and connections thing for a moment longer. And as that relates to, you know, the BBA and the circuit and what we do, it was some really great points that came out in the interview there. And I think it's one that's often overlooked or, paid lip service to we hear about networking and the importance of it so much that um it, it gets a bit stale on the ears but are we really do we really understand what it means to network and do we also understand the benefit of doing it because you know i i could i could definitely speak eloquently about networking uh, when i first came into the industry because i knew a lot of people simply because i'd been in the military so by virtue of that but was i actually doing network well i i wasn't really when i first came into the industry and it was only 
when I when I started attending events and putting myself in that space, forcing myself to meet new people. And really, I saw how the industry works. And, and you know, this this is a bit of a call to action from myself to, to you know, to any of our listeners who uh, haven't attended an event yet, especially um, conferences and so on. You know, get out there, do it, you know, stop standing in the shadows. I know we spend a lot of time in the shadows, but this this is one place where you can, you know, really benefit from reaching out and uh, in, in connecting with people. What do you think? I mean, I know obviously yeah. you'll second everything. I mean, I, I do. I agree. I agree. As long as long as they step out of the shadows and and they think, well, no one's really going to judge you for the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And that might be what you're worried about. You might be like, well, what's what's the best thing to say? Well, quite often it's just hello or something uh, civil and it, it, it opens things up for you. And then after that, you get to think, well, what value can I bring to this conversation? What value can I bring to this other person? Um, uh, I've seen people so nervous, unfortunately, that they literally open up with, here's my business card, which... I don't know, maybe in Japanese culture could work, but as I, I guess where I'm going with this, it, it much as with the topic of today's uh, you know, interview, Germany, if you are thinking about longer term value that you can add before you make an ask of someone, <laughs> I think you can't go wrong. And uh, there's not much you can do that's wrong uh, when you step out of the, the 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 shadow in one of these events and um, you know make make a conversation, there's there's not much damage you can do. Um, if if you're civil and you think, what what does this person need, and and can I add some value? Yeah, totally. You know, I, I think that's such good advice. And personally, for myself, what I what what I do, uh, I just ask myself a very simple question whenever I meet anybody new, and you know, within the capacity in which we're meeting. So if it's professional, if it's, you know, security industry related, I ask myself from in that context, what do I not know about this person or what they do? And that then becomes the question. And everyone loves being asked about what they do, you know, and and having an interest shown in them. And I think this is such a great way to start so much better than, you know, this is who I am, or here's my business card. Because if the person you're meeting is worth their salt, then they will ask you those questions. They will, you know, have an interest to learn that information. And if and if they're still talking about themselves after 10 minutes and haven't asked you anything about yourself, then that answers your question and you can shut that one down and move along. But for me, you know, that, that was a great piece of advice that somebody passed on to me. Excellent. Well, let's let let's use that and let's encourage uh, others uh, you know to, to to use that and then nothing nothing that what's that saying nothing so sweet to the human ear as uh, their own name um which which i think can translate in also into you know talking about themselves um because because uh, you know who doesn't like that apart from people who are really in the shadows and then, like, and then maybe they'll just say they're an accountant and they move on um but uh, but 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 it's but it, you'll get a feel for it You'll get a feel for it. But definitely longer term relationships as opposed to transactional relationships, given that so many operators are individual companies, individual entities, and they're in it for the long haul. So um, that's at least some good synergy, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you sit in the shadows and you don't want to come out, then the likelihood is you won't be at a networking event in the first place. I don't think you need to worry too much about that. But yeah, uh, and, and you know, and to, to expand on that, obviously the BBA and the circuit are running at, uh, running events all throughout the year. And so we encourage you, as, as well as uh, attending any of uh, Pelham's CTGI events to, to come along. It's a very friendly bunch. After you've been to one or two events, you'll start to realize there's a, there's a core group of people. And uh, it's, it's, very, it, it, it's a very nice community and it's very easy. It's a very easy community to become integrated into. And any, any any help you want, let 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 us know. Let me know. Reach out. I'm always uh, eager eager to help. You know, you're asking you know me for my advice and my help. I, I want to give it. It's, it's flattering. You know, and that's uh, to to what you said, John. Uh, people want to be asked, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Reach out to anyone on the team. You know, any of the hosts here on the show. You can connect with us all through uh, the BBA and the NABA apps. And obviously meet us in person at an event. And, you know, if, if, that, if, if you're uncertain to where to start, come and speak to one of us. You know, we not only are we friendly and we're going to, you know, we're going to receive you very well. We can also help connect you with the people who uh, you might most benefit from speaking to. Love it. Well, let's uh, get our networking uh, caps on for the summer. Let's maybe go to Germany as well. <laughs> And, uh, you know, reach out to Dr. Christoph Eichel as well, because he's, he's a very, very friendly uh, friend in, in Germany to get to know. Um, but uh, absolutely interested in Germany, working with Germans and the future, especially geopolitically, that's increasingly uh, of relevance. Right. So from John and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.